I had an email recently from listener Simon Seaton. He asked me an unusual question because he considered me to be one of the more abstract thinkers about whiskey. The word abstract coming from him there, not from me. The question he asked was, what gender is whiskey? Is it male or is it female? Well, I'm going to play my normal intro music and give you some time to think about that. Hello, and thank you for downloading this episode of the Malted Muse podcast. The reason Simon asked me this question was because he's working on an entry for his website, somanywhiskies.com, and he's going to be blogging, posting about that this weekend, I think. It's going to be interesting to see how that turns out. Now, I find it an interesting question. What gender is whiskey? Well, my response is, I think anyway, quite a simple one. What I think is that the ingredients of whiskey are male. With the help of of the distillery staff who act first as matchmakers, who introduce the male ingredients to the female equipment, and together they give birth. Now, why a female still? Is it because of its rounded shape, its warmth, its brilliance? Or is it because I just naturally associate it because people talk about distilleries having sister distilleries? Or is it just simply because I see them as vessels, the thing that bears the product, that bears the thing that it gives birth to? But it does give birth. It gives birth this wonderful spirit. Some of them are male, some of them are female. Some of them, I'm just not too sure about. When they're first born, they have that semblance of character, but they're immature. As they mature, they develop that character. They develop their personality. And when they are ready to leave home and make their way into the world, they go that way. But they can't do that naked. They need to be dressed. They're dressed in bottles, in, with labels, with tubes and, and or boxes. Now, I'm reminded of an old adage that I once saw or heard on the film Joe vs. Vo- the Volcano with Tom Hanks. One of my favourite films, even though it didn't get great reviews. I love that film. And in that film, somebody says these words that clothes maketh the man. To a certain degree, I agree with that, but only to a certain degree. See, I think clothes can give an indication of the man, but of course clothes change. Look, my work clothes are different from my leisure clothes that are different from my special event clothes. But they are a signal. Just like that old adage, design can become part of a whiskey. The bottle, the label, the the, the overall design says something about the whiskey. It gives out its first impression. Now, in a moment, I'm going to play a recorded interview with Pete from Whiskey Design Awards about that issue of whiskey design. But before I do, I want to ask you to keep listening right up to the end of this episode because I've got a special announcement to make concerning the future of this podcast. Pete, very nice to talk to you. Now, for the sake of our listeners, I'm I'm here in, in Derbyshire in England. Whereabouts are you at the moment? Uh, okay, I'm in, uh, in the Netherlands in a city called uh, Lelystad which is actually one of the uh, the newest cities in this country because it's also called the new land. This was the land that was taken from the sea some 50, 60 years ago. Before that, this was uh, uh, sea. Marvellous. So, but it's more or less in the geometrical center of the Netherlands. Okay, okay. Now, we're going to talk about whiskey, but it's something 
a bit different for this podcast because it's not necessarily directly to do with whiskey. What what is it that you're up to? Yeah. Um well, okay, maybe a bit of uh, history. I'm uh, in the Netherlands. I'm uh, I'm running the uh, uh, called Het Whiskey Forum, and Het is actually like uh, D, so D Whiskey Forum, but in Dutch it's Het Whiskey Forum. And there we started in 2010. We started with something called the Het uh, Whiskey Forum Design Award, and uh, this came up because. Um, well, on the web, on the web, you find uh, thousands of sites talking about whiskey and uh, how it smells and how it tastes and what have you, mm-hmm. all the delights. But another delight uh, can be the packaging, specifically the bottle, but also the uh, the box and so on. So on the forum, we decided to uh, to put out a poll, call for nominations. People could bring in their favorite bottle. So really looking to the design, how do you like the design, rather than to the content. Okay. Now, is that just overall, or do you have different categories for that? Well, not at that time, because then we started off with one category, like the, the most beautiful bottle. Right. And um, um, it was uh, received uh, uh, v- with, with uh, great enthusiasm, and uh, eventually in that year we got... Uh, 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 we got a winner, but then also uh, last year when we did that in 2011, uh, somebody came up with a package and also with, with multiple bottles in it. And um, uh, also there was a discussion about well, we have bottles that 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 you pay 20, 30, 50 thousand pounds euros for, mm-hmm. and we have bottles that cost only 50 or less. So then we made the differentiation in uh, two classes last year, but that was getting more complicated uh, to uh, to run on a forum. And uh, so then it was decided to go uh, international on a dedicated site, and now we ended up with uh, even uh, four categories, like the bottles that are cheaper than 250 euro, the bottles that are more expensive, then the packages with multiple bottles and maybe uh, glasses and uh, and a bottle of water or a case in it, and even a category category for um, the labels because there are beautiful label series uh, which deserve uh, their own uh, uh, category actually. So so now we ended up with a more complex. Um, uh, contest but uh, it's more fair and uh, it's really talking about the design Um, and uh, we have a dedicated website for that which makes it much more easy we have photo albums and where people can uh, uh, rate uh, this uh, the the photo the design later on the the ratings will result in shortlists and then we will put out polls where people can vote on the shortlist to get to the final category winners. And, uh, and they can even comment on, on specific uh, designs, why they like it or why they don't like it, and people can nominate it and so on. So uh, we, we now have the infrastructure available as well. Right. So that sounds to me like it, uh, it's a lot of it's down to, the, for want of a better word, the public vote. Is that right? Uh, yes, it is. So, because there is nothing to gain for for the uh, for the for the brands uh, right. other than publicity, and for the people that vote, it's just to vote their their favorite bottle. Eh? So, and and to give that uh, publicity. So, hmm. but but that's all that that there is to gain. Uh, well, maybe if if we end up with some kind of sponsor or so, we could come up with a prize, but. Uh, it's it's really the 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 honour that is to be gained. I mean, I know you gave a little bit of a history earlier on about this, but what what was the thing that personally got you into this? I mean, do you have a design background, or is it just through the love of whiskey? What was it that got you interested in this? Yeah. Um, okay. Well, well, I don't have a, a design background at all, um, but I do have a whiskey background. Um, that started in uh, 1996, 
with uh, my first malt being a uh, single malt being Glenfiddich, the triangle bottle, by the way. Yeah. And actually, the uh, uh, the, the the bottles of uh, the, the whiskey bottles and packaging was was not all that creative because uh, like cognac cognac has a history in in the beautiful bottles and uh, for whiskey that only started maybe 10 20 years ago coming out with uh, with more beautiful bottles but the most beautiful are probably for only from the last few years and uh, so my interest for uh, whiskey and the fact that I have an IT background. I'm an IT architect, right. which is all, always uh, long-term work. And working on the web is short-term. Uh, if, you, if you do something on the web, you put something on the web, you see the result right away. Sure. And, um, but I have actually a broad uh, interest in, the, in design, like also in, in the home, in, in the furniture and so on. Uh, I, I, I have uh, my own uh, Zen garden, which is uh, very much uh, design, for which I have a website and a blog as well. So this combination of uh, facts probably uh, worked all to get me to this uh, uh, to this idea. And actually, in the Netherlands, we it was um, received with interest also by uh, the, the the whiskey magazines who are interested. The Dutch language whiskey magazines are interested for uh, publishing, and we are looking into do uh, that. But that that goes all very slow and. The putting it on the web is really uh, much more uh, tangible already. Sure. Pete, if we can talk about design just for a moment, what, what do you? Obviously, you must feel that design is important. Why do you feel it's important? Well, it's 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 part of the joy. It's part of the game. So, um, of course, we are all talking about whiskey and enjoying whiskey. But it's uh, the joy really starts with looking at the bottle and the package, and then you pour the whiskey out, and of course then you have the visual effects of uh, the color and uh, and how it uh, draws tears and and the smell and so on. Uh, so that was the 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 packaging is on the web uh, was a uh, uh, an area that gets little attention other than on luxury sites. Mm. Uh, because, yes, there are very expensive bottles, very beautiful bottles, but there are also very beautiful bottles for for little money. And um, so, yeah, it's really because it was a bit forgotten, although like now, now I started all this, I see a really uh, get a good feeling of, for instance, what Magellan are doing. And and I I found find with help of of people on the on the site I find more and more very beautiful and interesting designs. So it's it's an extra uh, uh, enjoyment. Do you think though that that I'm going to play devil's advocate here? Do you think there's the risk though that if too much emphasis is put on the design of the bottle and the label that it, it can actually distract people from the whiskey? Well, that distraction already exists because it's a bit like the discussion we, we often have also on the forum, like um, uh, people that speculate on, on the prices. So people that purely buy whiskey to sell it a year or two later to, to, to gain mm. money, to make money out of it. And then, then you also get into discussion, well, is that bottle worth a thousand pounds? Or uh, is it worth 10,000 euro? Well, it can only be worth it if you have the money and, and can spend it for, the, for that. And people that are only interested in, uh, in uh, and have a low budget and are interested in the whiskey can still enjoy a nice bottle. And a beautiful bottle is not always very expensive. Mm. So... The, the 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 price range uh, say from from 20 euro to I have one on the uh, on the website which is um, I think f which went out for four hundred thousand dollar or something and um, so 
that is so expensive that that the people that can't afford bottles for uh, uh, for more than say 100 euro are not harmed by that i think right. it's a different market and but even in the cheaper uh, and in the in in the in the low budget area um, it's still possible to find very beautiful bottles. And, and of course, beautiful, uh, how do you define beautiful uh, in, in, uh, with, with this respect? Because, um, like, um, uh, you, can, you can look to the uh, aesthetics, uh, but you can also say, is it, innova- is it innovative? Like, one of my favorite bottles was a Brugledi, which is like a, a laboratory bottle, which is very extreme. And I remember that when, when they came out with that bottle around 2000, it had the wrong color, like uh, turquoise. Yes. And it was the wrong bottle, like a lab, laboratory bottle. And that's why I liked it so much, because it was really a risk putting such a bottle on the market. Well, I'm glad you said the Brookladdy one and, and the turquoise, because in a way, um, that fits in with something, a thought that was going through my mind at this point, which is, you're talking about the beauty of, of the design. Yeah. Um, but beauty isn't the only thing, is it? Surely oh, for the, sure, yeah. the design has to relate to the whiskey in some way, which is where the Brookladdy thing comes into it, my understanding of why is the turquoise colour used on Brookladdy? Well, it relates to the colour of the waters outside of the distillery. Yeah? Yeah. So yeah, there's that, that relationship. That was, that, was, that was very innovating, I think, because... Whiskey was brown and yellowish and so on. And most of the labels on the bottles had that type of color. Yeah. And Brookleddy broke with that and uh, create a tradition and created a very original uh, and quite unique, uh, as I remember it at the, at the time, bottle. And actually that one is still uh, standing behind me on the shelf. And, and, and it also had the... Uh, uh, a very different uh, box. It had, it had the uh, what is it? The cylindrical metal silver color box. Uh, now this is interesting, Pete. Which Brookladdy are we talking about? Uh, this was actually, I think, it was a ten-year-old that that was uh, brought out as the first bottle when Brookladdy went into production again by the new owners. They came up with uh, with the whole new concept of the uh, the, the bottle at sure. the time. So this is about yeah about uh, around the, the year two thousand when yeah. the new owners started uh, uh, had started producing and put their first uh, uh, malt on the market again. So yeah, that for me was and and actually. Uh, but, but going back to, to 69 and, and uh, uh, the mid-60s is wh- where I recall the green triangle Glenfiddich bottle as the, the first single malt on the market that I know. And that was already uh, innovating and uh, uh, very daring at the time, I think. Because mm. most bottles were, were, were round, cylindrical. And later on, we got a, a what is it, a square one like the Johnny Walker. Mm. Uh, so there is there is a whole history, and and now w- what the McKellen are doing is is really uh, superb. You may like it or not, because sometimes a bottle is ha- has a bit too much character, let's say. It's, and and by and actually that is not so. Uh, it, it is as personal as tasting whiskey. You may like it, and I may not, and vice versa. And the same is, of course, with uh, with the bottles. If you don't like Lalique, you won't uh, like the Lalique bottles where the uh, McKellen was put in. But they also have different bottles, which are very exceptional, uh, exceptional uh, at the time, as this time. Well, yeah, this is interesting. I mean, you're talking about design and one of the questions I wanted to ask you was what are the key things that that go towards making in your view a good design now I'm going to presume you've said well the aesthetic the beauty of it um, innovation is another part of it Um, 
because like innovation is there's also risk taking sure and 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 also like that puts a bottle and the packaging in the context of time which is very interesting it's it's to me that is design if you have a number of bottles in front of you and you can even say well that is from around that date and that is from around that date that of course is a matter of time you you can't in in yes. this Five years, you can't see that. But if you have bottles from f- sp- spanning 50 years or more, then that is often possible. And, and, and that's also an aspect of uh, uh, design and originality. Sure. Yeah. And I suppose I'm just going back when you talk about risk taking. I mean, in many ways, I think you're alluding to that with what the McAllen were doing. Oh, Not definitely. everybody's going to like that, are they? It's, uh, yet they for have sure. To be yeah. For that. Some people say I I don't want them to put any effort in that because for me it's about the whiskey, about mm. the drink in it, and I don't care where they put it in, and that's uh, many uh, money uh, n- not spent well, uh, and and others say well, to me the bottle can be the argument to uh, uh, to buy a bottle, and actually. That is an interesting aspect because if somebody that um, is not into whiskey is going to a shop to buy a bottle, what is it that they were, are looking for? I think eight out of nine will go for the nicest bottle and the nicest box rather than the content. Hmm. So in that respect, again, it's very important that that yeah that you have a good uh, it, it's a good feel about what what you see that is i i, I think that is uh if when whiskey is bought as a present that it is often uh, bought uh for that reason so what have we got pete we've got beauty we've got innovation we talked a bit about the glenfiddich now from the glenfiddich i want to take the the lesson of practicality because that triangle, the bottle, if my understanding is right, was first designed for practical reasons um, in the ability for more of it to be stocked up and, and shipped away. Well, that's, I, I doubt that because uh, we, we now have also, we have indeed square bottles like square beer bottles sure. that you can really put in a carton very tightly. But the Glenfiddich, the first one, and actually I still have my old, 40-year-old box here because it's it's in a, how do you call it, in a, a cylinder. Yeah, right. It's in a carton cylinder. So if that has been an argument, it was lost, uh, lost by that packaging. Right. So I, I've never seen these bottles because, indeed, they could very tightly fit into a, a box, but I've never seen them shipped that way because they end up in their uh, carton cylinder. Yeah, yeah. That's something we need to look into. Um, what the other thing I was going to lead on to was though that the whiskey has to the the bottle has to tell a story in some way. It has to to be surely to be a good design. It's got to sell the product, but it also has got to say something about the whiskey itself. Well, yes, and and that is probably why uh, uh, on the. Uh on the uh, whiskey, the Dutch whiskey forum in the contest last year, we still had uh, uh, Highland Park as a winner. Um, it was the what was it? The Highland Park that has. Uh, let me see. It is a Highland Park with three uh, three different bottles in the same series, right. and actually people liked that because it was so very traditional. It looked like a bottle from uh, 50 years ago. It was the Highland Park Earl Haken, or Hecken, Haken, Haken. Right. And that was part of a, a series of three. You had the Earl Magnus, and the Earl Haken, and an, another Saint Magnus we had. Uh, so three different uh, bo- uh, bottles from uh, Highland Park. Um, but they uh, had all had a very uh, traditional uh, bottle, traditional label, and a traditional box. 
And that is also what people like. So this was not at all innovative. This was not at all um, uh, unique. But this was very traditional. And, and again, yeah, it's a matter of taste. And also how people feel that it, the, the, the whiskey fits in. Yeah, because uh, so, some people may find that a whiskey with a tradition should be in a traditional bottle. Mm. Yeah. I would argue, if I could put my view onto that, that there's space on the market for, for a variety that some are and, you know, some fill other, other needs. Um, and some can be more innovative and others, you know, benefit from being more traditional. It's getting that, that variety, isn't it, for, uh, for people to choose. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because, like, there was a... Um Last year, I think that it was last year that it was put on the market by Glenn Morangi, and it was called the Glenn Morangi Pride 1981, and it was a well an exceptional bottle, which was in a in a case that some people say it's like a coffin, um, but it was very beautiful uh, uh, design, but it was really like some people liked it and some people hate it yeah and um but th this was also in the uh, in the more uh, expensive uh, price uh, range and um but but again that that was nice on uh, during the election and on the forum we had all these type of discussions and people really wanted to bring forward their choice and telling why they thought that this was the winner, or this should be the winner, and so yeah, it's it's very personal again. Yeah, Pete, can I ask you a, a strange question? It's oh, not really oh. that strange, but I've tried to talk to you, really trying to pull out what you think are the good aspects of design. Yeah. What would you think is the biggest don't do in design? The biggest thing that you could say to to a, a whiskey designer. Don't do that. That's the big mistake that people have made. Don't do that. What would that big thing be? Mm, yeah, that's a hard one because I must say I'm quite open to innovation. And um, so like, for instance, I also like the sometimes very extreme labeling on Japanese whiskey. And um, so... Mm, I I really because I I'm not scared by uh, by the bottles and the packaging. Um, it 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 yeah it still has my interest. Um, what of course is the risk if you have a, a whiskey with a name and tradition that probably innovation may scare. Your older customers, and I, I'm not old in age, but old as a customer, you may scare them off because people may get suspicious eh? because very often I hear uh, that people say, well, that's all about marketing. It's not anymore about quality. Yeah. And, and that's a risk, but that's also why I say the, the innovation from Brooke Leddy I, I, I think that was great at that time, but then they had nothing much to lose, actually, because they came, re, reinvented their market. So th there was nothing to, to, to lose. Whereas some, uh, like Highland Park, maybe it may be very tricky to come with, with a very new design and they may lose uh, traditional customers. But then there is also something to gain. So that, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure if I can give a, a good answer to that uh, uh, question, uh, Jim. That's okay. I mean, obviously, I have my views about that. And if I could share my view on it, the thing that I would yeah. like to see put out there as, as the big don't do to people is don't lie on the label. Um, and by that, I'm, I'm thinking of the number of of whiskies out there that have got nothing to do with Scotland whatsoever but try to make themselves look like Scotland do you know ah, what I mean yeah no there I agree but I must admit 
I myself have little experience with that because yeah. I'm I'm very uh, not only very critical but also very selective because I I more or less know what I like and but y yes um uh, what, this this is really a a point that I can't understand because indeed I have seen whiskey from India not talking about the well famous Amrut which uh, is uh, is very nice, but there is whiskey from other countries other than the classical whiskey countries, uh, and and I saw something from uh, uh, India, which and that was called whiskey, and actually it didn't ha have whiskey in it because by definition, whiskey is made out of uh, weeds. And this was made out of, uh, I don't know, rice and potatoes, I think it was. Right. So, uh, yeah, and th that's a straight lie, of course. Yeah. And, yeah, that, that's... Well, in, it, technically, I mean, the potatoes part would be, but technically, I suppose you can make whiskey out of rice, can't you? So that part would have been okay. Well, n not really, because um, <laughs> th there, there is, of course, no worldwide law on that. But most people, uh, I think all sensible people, um, uh, look at the, 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 the laws from Scotland, actually. actually. Sure. Yeah. And that law says that whiskey can only be made out of weeds, and it has to lie for a minimum of three years on oak barrels. Yeah. And oak only. And these these two rules, I think, are the most important to let something be whiskey or not, whether it be whiskey with a EY or Y on the end, or whether it is bourbon, but uh, or malt or blend. But that is true. It's made from weeds. It is distilled from distilled from weeds, and it has it was put on uh, oak barrels and. And, and that makes it whiskey. And otherwise, it's more like vodka, because I, I don't know, I don't think there is such a tight definition for vodka. Vodka you can make from potatoes, but also from weeds, but also from rice, whatever you have, where you can uh, get al alcohol out yeah. and uh, put it in a, a kettle. Yeah. And then it's called vodka. <laughs> Peter, go back, getting back to, to talking about design, what's your views on, on putting whiskey into cans? Um, well, I don't like it. Because, well, I, I like a bottle, I think. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it wouldn't be a big problem, actually, because like uh, it's also a bit like we had a discussion about uh, uh, the, uh, a cork on a bottle, or a screw, uh, how do you call it, a screw? Uh, a screw top, yeah. Screw top. Well, uh, for wine, the cork is important because, well, you, you now have wines that don't have to age on, on, in the bottle, but still the traditional uh, quality bottles need a cork to be able to mature uh, in the bottle. Um, that's not the case for whiskey. It, it, it doesn't mature in the bottle, so um, it, 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 it wouldn't be a problem to put it in something else. Um, I think that glass would be uh, the, the best thing, of course, because glass is the most neutral, but uh, whether it is a bottle or a can or probably uh, wouldn't matter. Yeah. I think my main concern for the, for the can, if I may say my, my view on this, is that and I, I think it does have a bearing with design. If you've got a beautiful bottle, there is something special about opening that bottle, pouring yourself out a dram, closing the bottle back up and looking at it whilst you're having the dram. With a can, almost anything that I drink from a can, I open the can and I drink it all in one go and throw the can away. And I think the idea of whiskey coming in a can, to me, can only really encourage... Um, bad drinking habits you haven't got that ability to look at the can and think oh that's a beautiful can you open it you drink it you throw the thing away yeah and, and well uh, okay and and this 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 maybe goes into this uh, have a care careful listening now 
this was taking the cork out of the bottle. Sure. And that is a sound that most uh, whiskey lovers also like. Yeah. And probably because it, that there, there the enjoyment starts uh, of continues already, and uh, you, you wouldn't have that without a cork. Absolutely. <laughs> and there is something funny about that, isn't there? I mean, the, both sounds are enjoyable, but the sound of the cork coming out is always much nicer than the sound of the cork going back in again. But, Definitely. Um, <laughs> Definitely. That's for other reasons. Yeah. Peter, it's been lovely talking to you. Um, I would like to hazard a guess that you'd like more people to get involved in what you're doing. Uh, yes, yes. So how how do people do that? Well, just go to uh, whiskeydesignaward.com. Uh, so whiskeydesignaward.com. And it can be whiskey without an E uh, before the Y or with. <laughs> because right. both domains go to whiskeydesign.com. And there... People have to uh, register, so there is a join button, and it's a one-time registration, um, and that is really because I want uh, I want fair play, mm -hmm. and uh, without registration, uh, people can uh, well mess up. Uh, you can so if if it is just a, a poll, you can easily put on out a poll which gives an impression, uh, but uh, I don't want to. Uh, um, to have any corruption in there. So people need to register once and then they can start doing things. So the first thing would be to go to the different uh, uh, bottles to the categories and there they can uh, rate them from zero to uh, one uh, uh, to five stars. Uh, people can also nominate bottles. There is a small forum that is really meant for uh, nomination and also if, uh, for arguments. If people want to discuss, that's also possible. And uh, this is a long-running uh, exercise. So because this is the first time, I call it an, an all, uh, this year, 2012, is an all-time contest. People can bring in bottles from... Uh, throughout history of whiskey. So if somebody has a bottle from uh, the 1900s or even the 1800s, feel free to, to, uh, to put it in. And of course, we, 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 uh, we need to, to, uh, to get as much information as pos possible to, uh, to qualify it and to put it in the right category. But that is also so people can nominate. That is something that can uh, last for about half a year. In the middle of the year, we stop the nomination, and then from the uh, from the ratings, we make the short lists for the finalists. And then, during uh, some three months, people can only uh, rate these uh, nominations. And then, at the end of the year, in the fourth quarter, people can vote on them. So then we get lists with the, with the fine, finalists per category where people can only issue one vote per uh, nomination. And from that, we get the, uh, the winners, which will be published in December. So this, this year, 2012, will be an all-time uh, contest. And what we plan to do is for the next years, uh, is to really have uh, an annual contest where you can on only nominate bottles that were put on the market in, in the running year. Right. And um, uh, so, yeah, that, so, yeah, people can just go to whiskeydesignawards.com, become a member, and uh, if, if, if you like, you can nominate. If you don't have any nominations of, and, and just want, want to join and uh, let your voice here then uh, rate and uh, eventually and in the at the end of the year uh, there will be a poll to vote for the winners and uh, but my understanding is as well is do you need to register separately to get um, updates from yourself about the design awards at all um, I, I thought do you not do a, a bit like a newslettery type thing okay yeah well, there is also uh, a section which is called News and Blog, 
um, uh, first of all, in the footer, there is also a way to subscribe to the, to the blog, actually, to the news. And what we also do is that uh, each and every nomination is also put in a blog uh, uh, message, which is published uh, as a blog. So you can also uh, put that on a, uh, an RRS feed or what have you. There is also a special subscription, and there you can get each uh, and every new one in, uh, in your email. And also um, uh, in, the, uh, in the blog, we will also, if there are some very specific design-related whiskey uh, uh, items, then we also put that in. So, but we, we really don't, we try not to duplicate what is all around, eh? because mm. there are so many good sites around talking about the taste of whiskey. And we don't want to duplicate uh, that. So we really focus on, uh, on design. And also people can also react on what we publish uh, in the blog. So that there can be a lot of uh, interaction, but that all requires the one-time registration. Uh, no, uh, um, it only requires an email address and, uh, and a name. And, and the country, because we are interested in, in the different voting patterns from different people that may be interest, interesting later, but that's all that people need to register. And that's also not used for any other purpose than specifically uh, being able to, uh, to join uh, this uh, contest. That's marvellous. And um, I hope that people listening to this will do exactly that, that they're, they're sign on and, and participate in what you're doing. I, I have to say, Peter, I think it's wonderful what you're doing here um, because it's, it's highlighting the appreciation of yet another aspect of whiskey um, because whiskey is a drink. It is there to be drunk. I strongly believe that. Yeah, it hits sure. so many senses itself. And I do love a good design. I love a good piece of sensible innovative, beautiful marketing and packaging, I think that can become part of the whiskey story. Um, and it's really good to see people like yourself um, bringing that up and raising people's awareness of that. So on behalf of all the listeners, thank you for doing that. And, and good luck with the future. Okay, thank you, Jim. And, uh, uh, well, one note maybe is that I'm not related to any uh, whiskey producer or what have you. This is purely a private uh, a project of mine. And uh, so uh, maybe if there would be sponsors at a later time um, to, uh, to, uh, to, to uh, cover some of the cost, that may be an option. But yeah. uh, there is no, no relation whatsoever to any of the... Uh, 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 mar uh, marks that I have said. Eh? So, like um, I mentioned, McKellen, but that's just because they have so many beautiful uh, bottles on the market. But that's really it. Marvelous. And I also want to thank you, Jim, because this is a nice opportunity, and uh, the site is only running now for uh, roughly for a month. And I think uh, we have had some difficulty with logging in and so on, but that should all uh, be fine uh, now. And, uh, well, this may help uh, that uh, to get uh, a bit uh, more active. Lovely. Thank you ever so much, Peter. Okay. See you okay. later. Now, when I first began with the idea of a whiskey podcast, it was something that developed out of a love for whiskey. It is a love that has kept it going. I had no idea how or if it would take off, and I had no intention of making money from it. It was to be a vehicle for me to share my passion and to develop my interest further. And I must confess that the podcast has led me towards people, projects and events that I would not have got to without it. I said that I never intended to make money from the podcast and I most certainly have not done so. In fact, as the podcast has grown, so have the costs, which has not been easy as a self-funded venture. One of the reasons 
and only one reason for launching my whisky, The Home Calling, was to try and make some money from that that I could then fund the podcast with. But with The Home Calling also came another set of ongoing expenses. My reality is that it has all cost me an increasing amount of money, which has far exceeded what I can really justify in taking away from the family budget. And I need to do something about this balance or this imbalance. I either have to do something about it or I have to stop the podcasting. Now, I have resisted exploring long-term sponsorship due to how it might change or constrain the way that I approach the podcast. So I've had to think carefully about what other options there are. What I have decided to do is to try an experiment over the next two to three months. The experiment is a simple one of allowing people to donate to the podcast. Now, there have been people in the past that have asked me about this. And in the past, I've said, no, I've rejected that. Now, if you want to donate, this can be done via my website and can be done, I suppose, in three different ways. You can donate discreetly, in which case, thank you, I'm grateful, but nothing will be said other than you getting an email acknowledging your donation. I will say no more about it. Or you can donate openly, in which case I am grateful and may say so in an episode of the podcast. You may also use that to take advantage of of advertising events, etc., things like that. All you need to do is make the donation and then send me an email saying what it is you're wanting to promote. Now, I can't guarantee I will do that, It depends on the event. If I can, I will. But if on the rare event that I think it's something that's not suitable, then obviously um, I will have to hold back from doing that. And the third thing is that if you are a company and you want some form of possibly exclusive sponsorship for one or a set number of episodes over a fixed time scale, then I'm prepared to consider that. Drop me an email, contact me, we'll take it from there now i want to be clear about what these donations are for they are to fund the podcast they're not to pay for my recent home improvements or anything like that it's to help me cover things like web hosting costs equipment needs phone costs domain registration and costs directly related to the podcast and it's to help me cover them not to try to cover no, no, the whole cost, but just to give me some support in doing it. And I want to be clear that any money will not be used as my own income. And it would not be used to cover costs that I would normally incur without the podcast. So, for example, I've been drinking whiskey for a long time. I would not use donations to buy whiskey because I would be buying whiskey anyway. So that wouldn't count. And with, of course, the exception of samples that are sent to me. Um, And the same goes for whiskey books. I wouldn't use money donated to buy whiskey books because I would buy the whiskey books anyway, apart from, of course, books that are sent to me for me to review. Now, in the same way, I would not use any money towards domestic internet costs that I have. That's for me to sort out. That's for me to find. However, the cost of the Morted Muse website could be paid for by donations. It's with mixed feelings that I ask for help like this. On the one hand, it feels like I'm I'm asking for handouts. But on the other hand, I am producing an increasingly popular and also increasingly costly podcast, which is free to download. And I've done so for, I think it's about 77 episodes now. I'm about to become a grandfather. I've got a large family to help support. And the reality is that I either address this or I stop doing it. I can't really justify to my family spending as much as I'm doing on the podcast. As much as I love doing it. The podcast gives me real monthly expense. And if over the next two or three month period I get 
donations that are greater than what those costs are, then fantastic. I will simply hold on to that and use those donations to enable the podcast to continue for longer. Now, I'm going to thank you all in advance. If you don't want to donate, I understand. That's great. This is my my project. I'm doing it for primarily my own needs, my own desire to explore the world of whiskey. And if people think, well, you started it, you should do it, I understand that, fine. But if you enjoy listening to the podcast, you want to ensure that it can carry on, then that would be brilliant as well. And thank you for your donations. I'm only going to be doing this for two to three months, and then I'm going to close that thing down, um, and we'll see where we are from that point onwards. Anyway, thank you ever so much. Um, My home life is still upside down. I am still at the point of not being able to promise that there's going to be another podcast next week. Um, It depends where I am. The situation I've got, I've gone from living in a house where part of the ceiling was missing. I'm now living in a house where the floor is about to be taken up. So there's so much upheaval still going on. Um, But thank you for listening to this. Do bear in mind the donation. Go to my website, www.themaltedmuse.com. Follow the links there. And don't worry about where it says about shipping and handling costs. There aren't any. I've set all those to zero, um, so there aren't any. Thank you very much for listening. Well, thank you again for listening to this episode of the More to Muse podcast. If you haven't heard them already, there is a back catalogue of other episodes available on iTunes. And if anybody wants to contact me, they can do so. My email address is jim at com. There's the website www.themaltedmuse.com and there's also Twitter, Twitter at themaltedmuse. So thank you again for listening. I hope you'll listen next week. And until then, thank you and goodbye.